So you've now moved into the business world where you're working with entrepreneurs. How have you found their ability to negotiate? Well, hostage negotiators really kind of dealt with two types of people on a regular basis. People that were kind of upset or concerned or worried or felt like they had a lot on the line or real mercenary types. Mm-hmm. It's what entrepreneurs deal with. Entrepreneurs are dealing with real mercenary types. You know, an entrepreneur, hopefully, your small company, get that big contract. With the big contract with their big company. But the representatives from the big company are mercenaries. Absolutely. They will screw you into the ground. They will screw you into the ground. And the crazy thing that it took me a while to catch up on after I left the FBI, the person that will screw you into the ground is the exact profile of an international kidnapper's negotiator. Really? Exactly. Same. They push you around. They pick on you. They, they're harsh. They can be threatening. They can be demanding. Or they, in a really nice way, they can ask you really big for really bad things. And you know what? A lot of the people tuning in can absolutely relate to that. Because in the UK especially, some of these really big corporations, especially the construction companies and everything, that's exactly what they do. In fact, there's a company that's just gone bankrupt in the UK. Mm-hmm. They're called Carillion. They were the UK's largest construction company. And actually, do you know what? Their behavior, they just used to take the little man and they used to just take advantage of the entrepreneur. Yep. And I think the entrepreneur just didn't know how to deal with it. They just felt totally powerless. And I think they... Yeah, absolutely. They feel, you feel powerless because the other half of the people the entrepreneur is dealing with are not trying to screw them. So you, you're trying to be collaborative it's a, a, with someone, and you're trying to help them. An entrepreneur wants to help people. If, you're, if you become an entrepreneur, if you start a business, you want to create a business that is driven by your passion. Absolutely. That literally you have a vision to help make the world a better place. I'm going to change the world. We're bringing this product. I'm going to help people. And so half the people you deal with, they're not trying to screw you. And you work collaboratively with them. And you can make great deals. You take that exact same vulnerability to the guys trying to screw you. Mm. And he's 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 going to beat you up. He's going to pound you into the ground. And so those were the two types of people that as a hostage negotiator we dealt with and had to deal with daily. So you take an entrepreneur, you know the two situations they're dealing with, how do you help them? Well, we, we, what we like to call two millimeter tweaks. Okay. We put in the two millimeter changes, the two millimeter slight adjustments. And a lot of them are, none of the adjustments were big, most are very counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Or most are, like, you have an experience that tells you that it won't work when in fact you just weren't doing it right. Uh, a great one is... There's a negative dynamic between two people. If I'm doing business with you and I sense a negativity from you, then my experience is if I say, look, I don't want you to feel negative about this, it's going to make you mad. Mm. And it's going, to, it's going to backfire. I don't want you to think I'm pushing you around. I don't want any, anything, any negative you want to deny. Your emotional intelligence, your gut instinct is appropriately picking up there's a negative there. You want to say, don't feel that way because it's not true. You do that and it didn't work. Or it either fell on deaf ears or made things worse. So the two millimeter change, the hostage negotiator, don't deny it but observe it. Mm. Because empathy, again, is understanding the other side's side without agreeing or disagreeing. So in theory that sounds okay, but in practicality, if the other guy, guy thinks I'm a bad guy, or if you think I'm pushing you around, 
um, you don't want to call it out in a soft way. You want to say, either don't do that, don't think that, or stop doing it. But the, the hostage negotiator's way is just to observe it. You know, it seems like you think I'm picking on you. seems like you think I'm pushing you around. Or again, flip side, bullies threatening. What do you say to a threatening bully? One of our CEOs that we coach who's, who loves this, loves it, he's a super quiet guy. You don't got to be loud, annoying, obnoxious, the loudest guy in the room to be the best negotiator. Usually the quietest guys are the most dangerous guys. This guy's a quiet dude. He gets invited in to dinner with the biggest player in his industry, the biggest bully. Right. And he thinks it's a get-to-know-you dinner. The bully's there to pound him into a deal, completely catching him off guard. Then not that long, and a bully from the other side literally says, look, you guys got to understand, if you, don't, if you guys don't sign these contracts, make these agreements, there's going to be consequences in the industry. So he just goes real quietly. Sounds like you're threatening me? And he goes, no, 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 I'm not threatening you at all. Not, not at all, don't, don't take it that way, but, you know, I want you to understand, you know, it's, things are going to be bad if you don't sign. He goes, sounds like you're going to make bad things happen to us? He goes, no, 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 no. So he fed it back to him four times, and the bully backed off completely. Now, the brand-new CEO happened to have his secretary with him. She'd been in that position for a long time. Uh-huh. So she'd seen that bully screw people down, all of his predecessors, and have them give in or get mad or any sort of that. And she's shocked that in less than a minute and a half, he's got the guy completely settled down. But it's a very counterintuitive approach. Mm. Yeah, most people will just attack, capitulate and just fall apart. I mean, that's... So many different bad choices. Yeah. But all he did was, you know, we taught him identification is not agreement, it's not disagreement. Deference is power. Say things in a very... You'd be shocked what you can get away with with deference. So in a very deferential way, the guy, he is in fact being threatened. He could say, sound like you're threatening me, or are you threatening me? So just with deference, he went like, sounds like, you know, kind of innocently mm. too. Innocence has great power in the delivery. Sounds like you're threatening me? And the guy had, had to do it four times, but the fourth time, maybe a minute, it's all gone. Yeah, normally the bullies are used to somebody trying to come at them and they put all the power when you stop. Yeah. They want one of two things. They want you to fight back because they like a good fight, or they want you to turn and run because there's a predator. They like the prey to run from them. Mm. They love that. And this, this, is, this is really kind of not being rattled, it's just kind of being curious, you know, being fearless enough to be deferential. You know, there's, there's the power and deference is through the roof. You've got to be fearless to be deferential. Most people, it, it's a very counterintuitive thing. Well, I'm not, I don't want to look weak. Well, that means you're not fearless. You're very fearful. You're fearful yeah. of looking weak. But you're so, so confident in your strength. I, I can't remember, I think I saw a quote one time that was attributed to uh, Indira Gandhi, who was Prime Minister of yeah, India at one yep. point in time. And she said, don't be so humble, you're not that great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, the, the people on their A-plus game are quiet, they're calm, even deferential. There's a... Um, 
one of the, the greatest trial attorneys in Los Angeles, brilliant trial attorney. And me, when I think of trial attorney, I think of an attack dog. Yeah. Somebody, you know, going, hey, don't you, wouldn't you admit? I get him to talk to my class, and he walks in, and he says, secret to negotiation is being nice and gentle. Because he knows, first of all, you look fearless, you look like nothing rattles you, and the bully will drop their guard. And you want the bully to drop his guard. And that's the only way to get the bully to drop their guard. Absolutely. So your book, an entrepreneur's watching this, they're thinking, okay, how is the book going to help them? Right. As an easy read, I tell a lot of people, read the first five pages. Don't read, if, don't read after five pages. Be like, promise me you read the first five pages. Because in the first five pages, there's, there's a very counterintuitive way of defending yourself mm-hmm. that's really digestible. Like, you know, you see how it works, you see what, you know what I want you to do. You don't have to be Elon Musk, you don't have to be the most, Stephen Hawking, you don't have to be the most brilliant man on the planet or woman to understand what I'm trying to get you to do. It's counterintuitive, some of it will scare you, but it's very digestible and all you have to do is be willing to try because it's easy, it's simple to learn, it's not complicated. Scary, Yeah. counterintuitive stuff will scare you. But that doesn't mean that you don't understand the methods I'm trying to get across. Well, they need to practice it really, though. That's the thing. It's actually when you're, when you're exposed to something new, yeah, it is scary. Yeah. But the reality, if you're going to want to sort of be successful and actually be a great negotiator, guess what you're going to have to do? Practice. you gotta, you got to take it for a road test, right? Absolutely. You I mean, take it for a test drive. Well, Elizabeth earlier in her keynote speech today, she did say, well, practice makes permanent. Ah, yeah. And that's an absolutely great quote. That's a great, that's a great quote. Very good. And that's exactly what happens because you, you build the neural synapses. You build that unconscious confidence practice. So what would be the top tips you would give to entrepreneurs? They're tuning in. What would you say to them? What are the top tips around negotiation? Um, with just a little bit more time up front in the negotiations makes implementation far easier. We like to say yes is nothing without a how. People love yes. Yes doesn't do you any good. Mm. How is where money is made. How is into implementation, how is into profits. And you know, the other tip is there's a significant number of people you're doing business with that are only gonna waste your time. You know, an entrepreneur is desperate for the first deal or they're living deal to deal and the idea of saying, like, no, push people away. Well, what ends up happening is you get a lot of people wasting your time. If you can eliminate the people wasting your time, then, you know, they say air rushes into a vacuum. The people that won't waste your time are going to appear in front of you. Absolutely. Or I'm no longer marketing to the guy who's not going to buy. As soon as I put my efforts someplace else, the person who is going to buy, I'm going to find him. So, judge bad, get rid of bad deals, bad customers, bad prospects first. We actually call it proof of life of the deal. Okay. Find out, you know, because as a hostage negotiator, if they haven't got my victim, I, well, why would I want to negotiate with them? And that happens a lot in hostage. In international kidnapping, fake groups will call the family claiming to have the person trying to get a quick payment and sometimes get it. They never had the person. Yeah. 
No proof of life. And it's, a lot, it's the same thing with business, really. <clears throat> exactly right. And actually, you know what's, what's quite interesting? One thing I picked up today is a lot of people go out there and they get all the best self-training in the world. But actually, that still doesn't get the results because they're still not asking the right questions. As you say, they don't find the proof of life for the deal. Proof of life for the deal. Yeah, so and which means be, be willing to understand that the you got to get proof of life from the person that you're talking to first. Yeah. I, I'll give you one of, one of our insider's tricks. Early on in the deal, you need to say to somebody, why, why me? You know, why, why would you ever do business with me? There's all sorts of vendors out there. There's a lot of people that deliver. You've got great relationships already. Why me? Now, what you need to know is you already know why you, but you don't know the parts of the why for you that fit to them. Yeah. So what they will do, the value proposition, if you will, that will trigger them into telling you which part of your value proposition is actually valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Or... If they don't respond, you're the fool in the game. Yeah. They're trying to get information from you. They never plan on doing business with you, but they want as much information from you as possible. Yeah, in the UK, we call it the yardstick. Yeah. Where they'll get you to come out, they'll, they'll squeeze you for information, and they'll use that information to then trade with other people, batter down their price. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that, that probably chasing a deal that will never happen is hurts entrepreneurs more than anything else. It happens all the time. It's day in, day out for many of them. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we coach people how to, how, to, how to get rid of that stuff, clear it away, so you can find the people that do want to do business with you. Because the air rushes into a vacuum. You've got to yeah, find absolutely. those people. And again, same thing. I mean, whether you're dealing in a sales scenario, whether you're dealing with teams as well, with your own team, this stuff really does help, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Creates good, positive, healthy relationships. Yep. It probably allows you to become that stronger leader within your organization. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it does. So, there's, I mean, there's a lot of great learnings to be had here. And for those of you that are on today's episode, I would highly recommend you go out there. And your book is available in audio as well. Yep. So, you can either get it in the book format or the audio format. Start looking at negotiation, because the reality is sales training is crucial, but like negotiation, well, that's part of any process, whether it's sales, whether it's leadership. If you can negotiate, you're three quarters of the way there. Well, Chris, you know what? Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. If, if there's anything that you relate to today that you want more information on, you want to dig a bit deeper head over to Borka.com and get in contact. We've got Chris's details on file. If you want to get hold of Chris, let us know. We'll introduce you. And again, once again, thank you for coming in. Pleasure's mine. And remember, failing to learn is learning to fail.